Welcome to Behind the Movement. I am Kyle Fincham. Thank you so much for downloading or streaming or however however you're listening. Uh, I have a really wonderful conversation to share with you that I had with Shira Yaziv recently. Before I get to it, though, I just want to remind everybody that we have our new Movement Brooklyn online platform. And if you're picking up what I'm putting down, uh, I teach one live class a week on there and I make the recording available for all the uh, Movement Brooklyn online students uh, to revisit, go back to, it's always available. And there's also about 100 to 120 hours of classes that are pre-recorded um, from when I was teaching during the lockdown from March to about August. So those are all available on there as well. Um, but every week uh, we upload some new videos with ideas, games, and concepts to approach. I also hold a weekly uh, office hours uh, to, to support people's practice in any way that I can. And it's a, a place where we have an ongoing conversation. Um, you know, there's a, there's a live feed on there. It's not one way. It's not just one person saying things and everybody else hearing them. Uh, the live feed is there for, for a discussion to happen so that we can all share information and, and wonder and be curious about things together. And every month, uh, we're doing a, a focus. Last month, for the month of December, we were focusing on resilience. And for January, we're focusing on play. Um, so we're putting out different ideas book suggestions, uh, games to, to tiptoe around this idea of play. Um, I've also suggested a, a monthly challenge of trying to climb something every day. It doesn't need to be the craziest climb. It doesn't need to be free solo. Um, I think the first day I just climbed around a chair here in our living room for a little bit. So you can climb across the floor, you can climb into bed, you can climb up and down a set of stairs, maybe in a way that is a little unorthodox. Maybe you can climb a tree or a fence or maybe a small hill. I think there's something for everybody to climb um, and explore different ways of climbing them. So if you want to jump on board, please do and, and please share and send some videos of you doing your your climbs your treks your summits uh i'd love to see them all right so with all that said let's get to today's podcast with shira uh shira yaziv is a dancer a body worker and facilitator uh She's also the co-founder and owner of Athletic Playground, a dynamic indoor play space inspiring physical play through a wide variety of movement classes. Um, and if you're interested in following her and staying up to date on upcoming retreats and workshops, you can go to shira.yaziv.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, do me a favor and give us a rating and, and uh, maybe a review as well. With all that said, here it is, Shira Yaziv. 
I was thinking right before we got on here and I was talking to my wife and she was like, oh, who are you chatting with today? And I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm meeting this, this woman, Shira, who I've never met before, but I was supposed to meet back in March, I think, because I was going to be at Tom's workshop that you were hosting and, you know, everything happened all at once right there. Yeah, that's where everything started this year. All yeah. the workshop cancellations and um, non, not scheduling future workshops anymore. Yeah, yeah I can only the, imagine. That's kind of the, the first workshop we had to cancel. Well, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll just catch you up. So I was going to like, it must have been like a Wednesday or something where I was going to fly out. Maybe it was Thursday. But I was, anyway, I was going to get on a plane to come out to San Francisco from New York. And I was going to do the workshop. And then my wife, Alexa, was like, ah, oh, you know, things are getting a little weird. Maybe you shouldn't fly. And I was really upset about it. You know, I was kind of like doing that like angsty kid thing being like, no, I'm going to go. And then she was just like, well, why don't you just think about it a little bit? And then I was like, well, maybe you're right. And then I think that's when I shot you guys an email just being like, oh, you know, I don't think I'm going to make it. And I think at that point, you guys were still kind of teetering about whether it was going to happen or not. And then the very next morning we woke up and it was the day when like um, Tom Hanks said that he had coronavirus. And I think it was that same day we closed down our gym and then we never opened again, not knowing that that would be the case. Um, And then within four days we were like moved out of New York city and up to my wife's folks house and everything. But it was amazing how quickly everything changed. It was like the day that would have been the second day of the workshop, we were already like moving out of our apartment. So yeah, it's a- Wow, big transitions, big changes. Yeah, and you're in Arizona right now? Yeah, I'm in Sedona, Arizona. I've been here for a few months and planning to be here for another few months and then it's gonna open. Wow. We'll see what happens. How are things going with your, your gym? Yeah, athletic playground. Um, you know, we keep following um, what's allowed and what's not as far as businesses. We're pretty shut down. Like since March, we weren't we we couldn't really open up uh, with like our county rules. Um, but we do offer some online classes and we rent the space out to aerialists, and that's been really helpful. Um, they get a place to train and uh, kind of like one at a time. Um, and we do some outside classes, like yeah. some parkour and acrobatics. We bring some mats out and we social distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but definitely, you, but, yeah, definitely but, not the 100 weekly classes we had before. That's not happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And But you're not there. So are you teaching online yourself? I'm, I'm not teaching right now, but, um, our teachers are teaching. I, I'm kind of, I kind of took a break even, uh, before COVID, I kind of made the intention to take a break and, um, just like, yeah, just like listen and ask questions and like, see, see what's next for me. And that I've been teaching kind of nonstop for 20 years. So I'm just, um, Late last year, I made that decision to like push the brake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I offered a little bit just to get the online classes started. But once I started traveling and moving around, that was too hard to maintain. Gotcha. Yeah. So now are you still kind of, even though it's limited and there aren't as many classes and things happening, do you have like more of like, um, I don't know, maybe just like a owner managerial role that you play as opposed to the, the teacher role? Absolutely. Um, so in March, I kind of had to lay off all our admin staff. Um, so it's just me doing the behind the scene work right now, which is not much because there's not much happening. But if somebody is shooting us an email, probably I'll respond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm doing some admin work and applying for some grants, but it's not, it's not as complicated as it was to run before. It's kind of actually more relaxing than right. even managing a staff and uh, keeping everyone on the same page. That, that was, um, that was quite stressful. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. Like what I feel like when I, and I didn't have a bunch of teachers or anything, but you know, I really just could teach and then all of a sudden having to run a business is a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. And, and learning how to do that was like, its own kind of battle. Right. Yes. It's like different skills, teaching, managing, managing other people, um, computer Mm -hmm. stuff. That's yeah. It's, it's everything, but in a way I think, uh, run, um, managing a business and managing a classroom is not that different because there's still a lot of, um, listening that needs to happen and choices that need to be made and you just do whatever you can oh no one second um the phone is coming through my computer my bad (laughs) okay all right um so managing a class there's a lot of um listening and making decisions and uh, observing. And I think there's some similarities with running a business. You just kind of notice, pay attention, make decisions, um, kind of like moment by moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some like, um, crosses, I think. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I do. I, 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 I realized that as we got going, although I had the, the benefit of my wife being involved and she's got an MBA and it's not that she's run a lot of businesses before, but she's worked with startups and things. So she was really good at like, kind of like directing me as to like what the things I should be looking at maybe as a, as a business owner. Um, And that was really helpful. I think if I was by myself, the learning curve would have been much steeper. Well, that sounds nice. Yeah, I was, definitely I did lucky. not have that. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of came um, from a different country, didn't mm. know that I'll end up opening a business. And um, it just happened with, um, with not any business education. Mm-hmm. So I made a lot of mistakes on the way. And, you know, there's, yeah. that's part of the learning. Yeah, well, I think that that's, I mean as with everything, I think that's like the real learning, right? Is the, like the tinkering and the trial and error, right? Totally. It also gives you um, experience, all those trials and errors. I like you, I wouldn't have that information if I wouldn't try what I, uh, what I tried before. 
Right. Because it's almost like, you know, it's like being like a teenager again. It's like you can be told all the things that you're not supposed to do. And you're like, well, I'm just going to try it anyway and see if it works. So it's like, yeah, get in there and like get your hands dirty a little bit and then learn how to wash them on your own. Right. Yeah. Did you, so you moved to the U.S. from Israel or was there somewhere you were at before that? Yeah, pretty much. I did have like, um, I traveled for about nine months before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went back to Israel for like two or three months. And then I decided I'm not quite ready to go back to Israel. And uh, I decided to go to California, which is where I started my trip, my nine month trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was um, Capoeira group I really liked with um, a guy that was leading the group that I uh, really enjoyed playing with him and kind of vibing on um, just Capoeira mm-hmm. at the time. And Capoeira is like, was kind of like your starting point movement wise. Um, maybe more as an adult, but um, I feel like I was, that was always my life. Um, mm-hmm. I was a very shy child, so I wasn't talking much. I was always moving. I was always wanting to do stuff with my body and I would come home with a flyer and told my mom, I want to try this. I want to try this. So I have experience with some martial arts and rollerblading and roller hockey. And like every time I'll come with a different thing that I wanted to try. But I would say that capoeira is the first thing that I kind of stuck for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I feel like when I've spoken to people on here, there's a, there's definitely a large handful of people where like, Capoeira was like kind of your story. It was like the first thing that they like, it was like a magnet, right? And it was like a gateway drug to a lot of other things. Yes. It has like so many elements inside that, um, yeah, there's the music, the history, the the interaction with another person, the spatial awareness, um, the ability to invert and to bend in different direction. Um, so it's kind of like a nice introduction to, to so many other things, mm-hmm. um, like to the martial world and to the dance. And it's just like, it is an opening to different communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it seems like, um, yeah, it, it crosses over into a lot of places. And, uh, and, and I feel like, everyone that I've talked to again, it's almost like it's like their gateway drug. And then they kind of like spawn into different places past that. It's like, I talked to some people, it's like they did capoeira and then all of a sudden that guided them into parkour or into dance or into circus or something. Um, unfortunately I never had that experience. Um, so hopefully when the world opens back up, I'll get to, uh, play with some capoeira at some point. I think you'll love it. Um, Yeah. But yeah, you got different people also get attracted to capoeira for different rhythms. Ri- mm-hmm. Reasons, um, it has a very community vibe. Um, mm-hmm. It has a little bit of a performance element, and then the acrobatics. Um, yeah, it's it. And then there's nowadays also people are just um, coming because they want to move, like the people who play capoeira, just like to learn the the transitions from one place to another. And what, and 
so when you were doing capoeira in Israel, was that really kind of your, your sole focus? Because I, I, I was reading, I think, your bio on your website or something. And you start talking about kind of transcending into teaching and into dancing, into some circus and things like that. But was that after you came to the United States? Pretty much. Um, yeah. I, I mainly did capoeira in Israel and I was exposed a little bit to other things. But once I got to the U.S., I, um, my interest has changed. I was um, more drawn to circus and... Um, and from circus to dance, and now I mainly dance. Um, and now I would say I'm more drawn to just practices that are healthy uh, and that I could do for a long time and that um, just helps me be in my body and, uh, and to heal whatever energy is stuck in my body that wants to um yeah it's a lot about having a healthy relationship with my body that's my my what i'm most drawn to right now um so that's one of the things and the second thing is how can i relate to other people uh mm -hmm. with movement mm -hmm. connections so dancing with other people dancing with the environment mm -hmm. i i relate to this a lot uh, because I've been thinking about it. And, I, and you wrote something in your bio to go back to that, that I thought was really beautiful. You said that your goal is to, I think you said to dance on the day that you die or something like that. That sounds like a fantastic goal. Yes. Yeah. I think something, maybe, maybe something like that. Yeah. And, and it makes me think about how there's, you know, I think oftentimes people say like movement is a generalist practice and, you know, often throw that word around. And then the more I talk to people, the more I realize like there's a lot of different ideas as to what a generalist is. And, you know, you can't just, it's, it's not like a common language. We can't just say generalist and everybody be on the same page because for a lot of people, it means a lot of different things. And for me, I've grown to feel something similar to you where it's like, oh, well, what is, what is healthy aging and what, is, um, what are the ways that I can communicate well with other people in the environment versus maybe some other definitions of a, of a generalist. Um, and that's kind of brought me closer into exploring things like dance um, and, yeah, expression as well. Yeah, and I think um, what's beautiful about the word dance, it is very vague and um, it could look, it, it could mean different things to different people. But I think as long as you're moving in your body, no matter how much limitation you have, you can still dance within your limitation. And uh, I think whenever I did write that that was my goal is like, I can imagine myself, even if I'm in a bed, uh, can't move my legs, I can still make some kind of movement. And that, that is a dance. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't need to like, um, you don't need to be able to do all the things to dance the way you want to dance. It's enough to just dance inside. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like sometimes uh, people almost get caught up on like, like technique and almost think that like without technique, they can't do something. And I, I had this really nice conversation with a, like a 
a jujitsu teacher and I'm going to butcher what he said, but it was something almost like the techniques aren't jujitsu. The art of jujitsu is actually all the things that happen in between the techniques. And it's almost the same with dance where it's like the techniques are great and they kind of fit and fill their places, but the art is kind of the, the space that fills around the techniques. Would you agree? Totally. It's also like a, if you relate um, the technique towards, let's say, or movements towards, uh, you, can, you can write poetry with very few words. Um, yeah. You don't need to know all the words in order to start writing poetry. So I think um, sometimes actually the more limited the words, the more you can like really, um, sometimes all the words can be very limiting, but if you have only a few words to choose from, um, it's almost easier to make a dance yeah. um, when it's not so broad. And of course, uh, I'm all about keep learning words and expanding, but in order to, to dance, you don't need any technique. You can just, everybody can do it right now with whatever, whatever they can do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like it's almost like the more I read and the more I kind of have these conversations, that it's almost this like Western mindset of having to be super competent before they can do something or they, they the, the techniques are there to be played within as opposed to playing with the techniques, you know, because you speak of poetry and oftentimes you read poetry and there's no punctuation or there's, they're not capitalizing words. It's just like, they're not following the, the rules of grammar. It's like they play with the techniques. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think also the, the question underneath everything is why, why are we, doing whatever we're doing, what's, um, and you know, a lot of the people, the why is, is because they want to be really good at something or they want to compete or they want, um, or, or they'll enjoy something much more once they get good enough at something. Um, and, and that's just good to be aware of. However, there's also the, I want to just move and dance because uh, it's just being and uh, loving to be. It's an expression of loving to just be. Mm, I love that because when you say that, when you say like loving to be, it almost feels less, um, I don't know, less egotistic or less um, individual. Like when you're saying loving to be, it's almost like it has the potential to be something for, for other people as well in some ways. It's like maybe you become a better communicator and you can be more participatory with like your community or the people you're with or the way you interact with the environment as opposed to it just being like it's all about like self-gratification or something. Yes, which I think also um, going toward something is, is great. Um, and you know, enjoying the view on the way there and, and, and just enjoying where you are. Like if you're climbing a mountain, like your, my goal is to get to the top of the mountain and to look at the view, but uh, stopping maybe at the first rock is um, also very pleasant. Um, I don't need to rush up there or maybe I'll climb another day or maybe I'll never get to the top, but um, just like the experience of being wherever you are with whatever 
is accessible to you is um, is already a reason to live and to to be in your body. Um, and it's great to also achieve other things and to have passions and um, desires to be better at something. Um, it's just that for me, when I say dance, it's uh, I try to think about the right now. Right. It's like a, like an appreciation for like the right now, as opposed to dancing always to be better for something tomorrow. It's like, no, no, no. Dance for this. Exactly. That's, that's my personal reason nowadays. It might change, but um, it just feels like, yeah, you know, I, I perform sometimes and we work toward a performance, but, um, and that has an interesting, that's a process that is interesting to me too. But to tell you the truth, I rather just dance. Yeah. than to perform or to work toward a dance. I just like, oh, right now we're interacting. That's our dance. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I, so I, I talked to Tom a while back on here and we've continued to have some interactions and he and I first met doing jujitsu and, you know, I, I didn't know who he was or anything. And we were just happened to be partnered at a jujitsu school in New York. And immediately I just got the vibe, you know, when you can like feel, you're like, oh, this person like does things. And then we chatted a little bit and we, we, we met up again while we were in New York. And then fast forward, I had him on the podcast here and we were chatting and I asked him, I was like, oh, well, you know, what, what was it about jujitsu? Like, why did you, why did you decide to jujitsu coming from the background you come from and really doing a lot of dance? And I thought his answer was so simple and it's left me kind of continuing thinking about it, but he was like, oh, I just wanted to look for other ways to communicate. And I thought that was so interesting because in some ways then you're saying it's like, well, and it, it, it's all actually no different than dance. It's just a different way of communicating. Right. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was really beautiful. Yeah. I love that. And um, it's like a little bit in my mind, it's a little bit of a fine line, maybe because I don't take it super seriously, but wrestling and dancing is not that different. Mm -hmm. um, like, I feel like sometimes I wrestle when I dance. Um, and I heard many people say that the best fighters are dancers. So yeah, they dance. Yeah, it's, a, it's also like, I guess maybe it's also how you, how anyone approaches anything but if we're just speaking of like fighting or grappling and, and dancing in some way it's like well it's like if you are approaching it as uh maybe for a performance or in maybe grappling it's for a competition you're playing to win so you're really gonna like stick to like what you do well you know and like you're not gonna take risks and right. i realize and for people who are listening what we're talking about is something different than that. Like we're talking about approaching these things uh, playfully, because if we approach them playfully, then we're like, well, we're willing to take risks and explore and make discoveries and there's no winning or losing. Exactly. No winning or losing. Yeah. And, and when we approach dance in that way, then it's like, oh, well, each time we kind of go into it, it's like there's an opportunity for surprises. Yes. Totally agree. Yeah. 
And I was thinking about, um, you were saying, you know, in Capoeira that it's that this exposure to like music and musicality and, and rhythm and things. And, you know, being that my, my experience with dance is new, I often find that music uh, and the rhythm has the potential to like be an external source for like internal, like rhythmic observations. And I don't know if that's something that you can relate to or, or, or makes sense or if I need to phrase it a different way, but I often find that. Hmm. Um, it totally makes sense. I'm uh, it's an interesting that you ask me this question. Cause I'm like, um, I don't consider myself a very good musician or ability to like even keep rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say um, it, it sounds, it sounds, um, it makes sense what you're saying to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if I'm the best person to answer that um, okay. in the sense that you're asking. Um, but I do think um the more I listen to the music and I feel the music, it definitely so much affects my, the way I move inside and the way I feel the music and, um, and rhythm is just part of life. It's just, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I want yeah, to. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I just say, you know, I sometimes find like, um, like there's this internal rhythm and patterns that like help I don't know, like uh, the more rhythmic we are, it's almost like the more efficient we move. And and then mm -hmm. and it's somehow like an external rhythmic source. I And maybe it's just personal to me. I'm almost like, oh, well, with that external source, it can almost facilitate a little bit more of like understanding like the communication in my own body. That totally makes sense. And, um, and yeah, when you watch dancers, um, Sometimes I watch a dancer, um, maybe an African dancer, uh, move to a beat um, and then I mute the video and I can still feel the rhythm and the coordination in the body. So in that sense, um, it totally makes sense. Or um, when we swing our arms, that creates a rhythm when we swing different limbs um, and, and listening to music will also affect um, it will affect how we move and exploration, how we play with rhythm, the more external. Yeah. So, so when you teach, are you teaching primarily dance or acrobatics or capoeira? Like what, where, or, or is it more broad, like a generalist practice? Like where, where is that taking you? So now, right now I don't teach. Um, mm -hmm. And in the future, I see myself facilitating. So I, I, what I really enjoy doing is bringing a group together, whether it's a one hour class or a week long um, experience and just um, creating an experience together. And my intention is not to teach anything, but obviously uh, teaching will happen. Um, and often what I teach is not what people are learning or uh, you know how sometimes you go to a class and the teacher is teaching you something in particular, but you're learning something totally different. Um, so I try to create experiences where people can uh, learn whatever 
um, they feel like they need to learn from, from that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, often I'll play with scores, um, with games, with different interactive games, um, or lead something, or maybe I will show some pattern, um, but there's not really a right or wrong way to do it. Mm. Um, so people can relate how they are receiving the information or what kind of resistance they might have to it, or it's, it's maybe like more of an internal um, work for them. Um, but usually what ends up happening in the end of those um, experiences is just more awareness and connection to the body and to other people in the environment. So is it teaching? I try to not say the word teaching, but I do facilitate um, and welcome people to follow my suggestions. It's so funny you say that because I'm I'm writing this piece and I said, uh, I've, I've come to realize that the, the best teachers I have are not teaching me anything. They're just giving me opportunities to learn. Nice. Um, and I think about like, um, I, I, when I was writing this, I was writing about a vaudeville teacher that I had in theater school and he didn't teach us anything. Like there was no knowledge handed over. It was all just what you're describing. It was just like, here's an opportunity to learn something, but it's going to be unique to each person based on kind of like what they need. And they're, he's going to facilitate it with his like drum and suggestions and imaginary things. And, and yeah, it's a, it's, it's like a opportunity for discovery. Nice. Yeah. And um, I would say that like for me personally, that's not necessarily the teachers that I need to my, for myself right now or throughout different stages, I, uh, I look for different teachers. So sometimes I do like to be um, kind of more guided in a more clear way and direct and being pushed. Um, and I think there's many teachers that are really good at that. So I, mm. I would say, um, a lot of the teacher, there's, there's great teachers in, in both um, intentions to create like an open space or also like to be able to, um, to kind of work with you in a more direct way. Um, and I tend to be like a, the, the teacher or the facilitator that more opens the space. And it depends where you are in life, right? It's like what you're looking for and like how many tools do you already have or how much are you open to like receiving certain feedback mm-hmm. and being pushed? So are you working with any teachers right now? Like, are you studying with anybody right now? Yeah, right now I have, um, I wouldn't say I have like one teacher for, uh, but I learn from different people, mm-hmm. uh, different things. Um, as far as like, um, to give an, uh, I, I, I have a teacher for shadow yoga. His name is Mark Horner. Mm-hmm. So he's, um, he's an example of like me being more pushed, not into improvisation and do whatever I think I want to do at the moment, but more kind of like pushing me to um, maybe stay in positions more than I would normally get mm-hmm. myself to stay. Um, 
And then over the years, I had different teachers that are, I feel like even though they're not my current teachers, they're still influencing me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still feel the lessons in my head. Um, one of them is Kira Kirsch. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an access syllabus teacher. She's in Berlin. Um, she's basically my first dance, dance teacher. And, um, and I love the way she, te- she teaches. It's some, somewhere balanced between um, creating freedom and also like directing. Um, there's also another teacher that I don't, I haven't like completely directly like um, attended many of her classes, but um, I feel like the classes that I've taken from her, they're still living through me. Uh, her name is Kathleen Hermsdorf and she just passed away a month ago, but she was creating, um, she was the teacher that I feel like is more, that I got most inspired about how to teach um, or how to facilitate. Uh, A lot of open scores and uh, improvisation and listening and tuning into the room and to the people around you and constantly encouraging to make decisions as you go. Um, yeah. Um, Kathleen Hamstorff. Can you, uh, I've had the opportunity to do a little bit of shadow yoga, but I don't really know. I've, when I've said it to people and they've mentioned shadow yoga, I said, Oh, I've, I've had a couple opportunities to like be exposed, but I don't know a ton about it. And they're like, well, what is it? And I'm like, I don't really know. I don't really know how to like compare it to anything else. And I don't know how much you know about it, but I, I'm curious if you can kind of e- expand a little bit on, on shadow yoga and maybe what, and what makes it different or, or what, what is the variance from other forms of yoga? Right. I don't think I'm the best person to answer that question. Um, just because I haven't been exposed to that many other yoga practices. Okay. Um, but what I know is, um, I think like a lot of the positions and the poses are very similar. It's more like the, the work with energies, marmas in the body. And um, they also, uh, Shadow Yoga also has preludes, which are preparatory sequences um, that kind of look more like martial arts or yeah, kind of more like Tai Chi, kind of more Uh, on your feet standing practice that usually students do that for at least a year before they go into the more traditional poses that you see usually in yoga. Mm. So I would say that's my answer and it's probably not a complete answer. So I suggest people to research it, but. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it, 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 I only ask because again, it kind of keeps coming up and I realize people throw it out there and then I'm like, oh, well, well, what, what, what is that? And, and, and like I said, this is coming from someone who has, a, I've done a, a, a little bit of experience, but I'm like, well, I don't, I actually don't know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, actually Tom was the one who um, told me about it. Mm-hmm. So you probably heard about it from him too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's great and it's not for everyone. Um but it's nice for me to have some kind of um, structure and um, um, because it's so easy for me to improvise and go to wherever I um, naturally want to go. 
which is often like, oh, this feels great, but also like pushing me to be like uh, present with the discomfort. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been really helpful also with injuries and just like understanding of the body. So is that what kind of like your practice looks like on a regular basis? Is there some sort of balance between like the structure of things like shadow yoga and then the freedom of some sort of like playful improvisation? I wouldn't say it's very balanced. (laughs) 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 Um, I usually uh, wake up in the morning and um, I meditate. That's pretty, that's uh, pretty consistent. And then after that, I just um, give space for myself to do whatever will be I don't want to use the word good, but maybe I'll use it. Whatever I think would be healthy, healthy for my body uh, that I have availability for at that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes I'm not in a place to really push myself and other times I am. So I just uh, give the space to just uh, to allow myself to be in whatever state I am and to do whatever I think I'm capable to do that will go toward healthy practice to do, Mm -hmm. to start the day that way. And then I would say the rest of my day is just, yeah, improvisation. I'm just playing around or um, Mm -hmm. I'm hiking a lot here in Sedona, Mm -hmm. hiking and climbing and um, dancing. So Mm -hmm. that's all kind of freestyle. Yeah. So at at like other points where do you feel like it was your, your practice was like really tightly structured at other points? Early on, mm-hmm. maybe, or when I take classes from teachers, then that's when it's usually more structured. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I sometimes get more goal-oriented and then that's when I'm more disciplined, but it's, uh, it's not something that I um, constantly do. I, okay. I get may, maybe like in phases where I kind of like, I get more like, I'm going to train this now. I'm going to hold this position every day now for five minutes or, um, but yeah, I, um, I, I see the benefits of it and I, I, I would like to do that more, but to, to be honest, no, Okay. (laughs) I'm, I'm not, I'm not a super overachiever and like, um, hard discipline with myself in that Rome as mm-hmm. much as I would like to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I only ask cause I was in a place where it was very structured, almost like, you know, daily, hourly, just because there was so much that I was trying to work around and work within. And then I thought to myself like, Oh, I, I, I don't know. There, there's a playfulness that I, I, I want to explore. And I almost was like, I, there's a way to be disciplined with the playfulness that is less structured, but the same discipline. And I didn't know how to put words to what that would look like, but I'm like, there's something there and kind of, you know, started exploring some of the, the, the things that and people who were doing things that I thought were tiptoeing around that world in an interesting way. And I found it really, I don't know, refreshing. Maybe that's the right word. Um, there's a, there's a nice space there where you can kind of balance for me that I could balance the structure with the, with the playfulness, but also 
feel like there's a um, room to take bigger breaths maybe. Yeah. And, and I think, again, it's very personalized. Um, you want to, I think you want to have a healthy relationship with your practice. Mm-hmm. And um, as long as um, it feels like a healthy relation, sometimes like, even though like, I know it will be very good for me to hold this position every day for five minutes. Um, if, if I have a not healthy relationship with it and there's a lot of resistance, it's, um, it's a interesting things to observe and be aware. But uh, like you're saying, try to find a more playful or more, um, Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe the five minutes was too long. Maybe start with two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the improvisations allow you to have a very easy relationship for me. Maybe for other people, it will be very the opposite. The discipline, it's what's easier for them. And the improvisation is out of their comfort zone. Yeah. I, fa- I found that you said... Um, a healthy relationship with the practice. And I think it, it it's kind of a slippery slope. I think that it can almost become for some people that, that, that feeling it's like a compulsion, right. As opposed to, you know, sometimes people say like, Oh, you know, like stop and smell the roses a little bit. They're almost so caught up on like the, the end thing. And like, I think I've been there and I'm, and I'm sure that maybe there are opportunities where you've been there as well, but it's like, yeah, it's it, the healthy way to do it. It's like, well, yeah, be on your road, but stop and smell and look at the sky and all the things. Yeah. And I fall a little bit into the people that, Oh, I stop too much to smell the roses. I don't continue. I don't advance. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that can have a unhealthy relationship with that too. Like it, some balance of both probably. Would yeah. Be ideal. <laughs> what, but you, how long have you been doing like a, a regular meditation practice? regular um Mm. depends how you define regular but (laughs) i have been in and out for 10 years okay and i think in the past maybe five months i've been pretty consistent Mm -hmm. um and maybe in the past 20 days i have not missed a day but Mm. um i definitely have times that i i skip or Mm. i don't yeah, I don't always show up and feel like starting the morning that way. Yeah, that's fair. I had one yeah. of those mornings today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had trouble sleeping. I woke up like uh, two hours before I wanted to. And, you know, you have that like pressure in your head and you're like, I'm not going to do anything this morning. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just good to observe and see how are you going to r- relate? Are you going to like be upset with yourself for not doing it? Or like, what's mm-hmm. like, are you just not going to do it tomorrow too? Like, it's just interesting to observe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that people feel sometimes they're like, oh, well, this is the beginning of the end as opposed to being like, no, 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 it's just a day. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm curious then as well, like um, in in terms of like your your professional dance experience, is is that something like maybe when the world opens back up again that you're interested in in continuing to do, or or is that something that is like oh it, I've done it and and it's it's it doesn't need to be a thing anymore? Yeah, I'm not sure actually. It mm-hmm. feels like. Um... 
if a project that comes up that I'm really like, that it sounds really exciting, I would be open to it, but I don't feel like this craving inside me that I want to um, perform on stage. And what I like about performing is more the everything that leads up to the performance. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like the collaboration and the creation and trying out things. Um, and I can enjoy also the performing, but it's, it's, um, it's not what like, it's not my goal. It's not mm -hmm. what I'm interested in, but I am interested in um, meeting up with friends and people and trying different things and um, try what they're excited to do and being involved in their art is fun for me. Mm. Um, so possibly and often after I perform I'm like I, I don't think I need to do it again I think I'm not going to take any future projects but I keep taking them because they sound just fun and exciting and they are mm -hmm. so like what would be I don't want you to try to like imagine something coming in the future but I, I'm curious then like what what kind of things then do draw you in or, or inspire you for that kind of work? Is it like the, that it's somebody you, you know, you would enjoy collaborating with, or is it the group or what? Yeah. I'm curious what, what those, what those things are that like hook you when you're like, Oh, I think I'm done. Um, what ends up is probably the people who are involved in the project. Um, and maybe whoever is leading the project, if there's a choreographer, um, um, it's usually like the people I'll be end up dancing with. If, if uh, my friends are dancing and I really love dancing with them, I just, I just want to hang out with them and do this with them. It sounds fun. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say like connection to the people and maybe depending of how demanding is the project um, or how playful and fun it is, that will be another determination. Mm -hmm. um, and depending also what state I'm in, like if I want to be more, to take something more easy or something that is more demanding on my body, it's, it's yeah, it, it, the thing with performance that I'm like conflicted about, and again, it depends on the choreographer, but um, I tend to take more projects that allow improvisation on, straight, on stage versus um, choreography. Mm -hmm. um, it just gives me the option to make healthy choices for my body versus to like, oh, today I have to do this pattern that is a little like not feeling good to me. Hmm. I understand that. Yeah, right. So it's like they, they, there can be almost like this like uncomfortable anticipation of like the things to come when you're like, oh, I already know that this isn't exactly the direction I'm, I, my body would like to go today. Yes, and something about improvisation, I can just do what is basically my practice is to do whatever feels like my body wants to do right now and not like force it or potentially like cause some injury because this is what I'm supposed to do right now. Yeah, I'm curious uh, because I, I know that from talking to a lot of people, especially for people who maybe are like, I don't know. They're in the movement world, but their their experience with improvisation is a little foreign or new. And the idea that like, oh, well, anything goes almost, you know, within certain constraints. What are some tools that you play with 
when you are teaching that like help facilitate improvisation or, or maybe like the playfulness for improvisation? What are, what are some of the games or the, the, the imagery you use? Well, one of the, I think you answered that a little bit in your question is like the more you limit, the easier it is to do the improvisation. Mm -hmm. I know that's true for myself because I didn't come, uh, improvisation wasn't something that was always easy for me. So it's, um, it's something that I had to learn how to feel comfortable with it. And I remember the, the drills that I did and that often what I do to people that are very new is like things that you can't, that you don't, that it are just so simple. For example, um, put your feet and hands on the floor and just, just move your hands around. So there's not really wrong and right, or that's look good, that doesn't. It's just like um, your feet don't move, or can your hands? So everybody feels like they're doing the drill and it's not like, is this correct? Is this not? Because I think where people spin is like, oh, I'm not doing it right. So the more simple the drill, the easier it is to get people to feel comfortable in improvisation anyway for people who came like I came with, I was terrified from like dancing freely. Mm -hmm. um, so something like stepping your feet or, or one foot stays, one foot can move. Uh, the more simple it is, I find that the easier for, for people that are feel uncomfortable with just like a more abstract um, score. Yeah, so it's like giving some like um, simple constraints Yes. that like can just be played around with. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, like you can also play with uh, images and some people that will be maybe intimidating for them and for other that will like just trying different things. Cause like maybe an image of like uh, you're floating in space um, might be more simple for people than the moving the hands. But I think that's, it depends on the person and where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. It can be, uh, for, for certain people, I think imagery and imagination can be whimsical and fun. And I think maybe for some people it can be really paralyzing. Exactly. Uh -huh. But I talked to, um, I talked to Marlo Fiskin a while back and she was talking about how when she teaches, she'll often use imagination and what's great about it is that you can have a room full of every kind of person and you could have like someone brand new and you could have somebody who's a, you know, maybe even a professional. And with the tool of imagination, you can make it an interesting experience for both people doing the same thing, which I thought was really beautiful. I agree. Yes. The more you have different ranges in the room, the easier it is to go to to not teaching pathways and more like suggesting different um, scores or ideas of how to work with something. It might be like more anatomy based or, um, or more abstract like a painting. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I tend to have like wide variety of people in my, in my classes with different abilities and and often I would start with more simple things and build up just to create the comfort in the room unless I feel like people are already comfortable. Mm -hmm. 
So is that is that how you might start like your own practice as well? Like if you're if you're just kind of getting going, will you start with kind of like a simple constraint and let that kind of be like the building block to whatever comes after? Um, probably. I usually mm -hmm. like I start usually with just standing. Mm -hmm. So that's already a con uh, some kind of uh, I usually start with stillness standing and then from there um, I continue so that's that's already nice no it's nice to have a start place and and just paying attention to to what the body is feeling and what I think would be the next thing or sometimes it just happens without me thinking mm -hmm. um, a lot of what I do in groups has to do with partner work uh, or group work so I think Definitely starting solo is a good start to build confidence. Because mm -hmm. um, then once you bring other elements, other humans, other, um, you know, sometimes we dance. Um, I plan to do a, an experience here in Sedona and there's a lot of fun rocks here to climb. Um, and just dancing and rolling on the rocks and the trees here, it's like, um, the more you feel comfortable moving without by yourself, the more you would feel comfortable um, adapting to an uneven ground and to, to, to other people that are moving in the same time as you're putting weight on them. Um, so I don't know if it's the best thing to necessarily start with the most simple, but it's the more inviting thing. And um Sometimes it's kind of fun to just like throw if if it feels inviting to just throw something very complex at the beginning and just um you know people will maybe learn uh, whatever they need to learn much faster and right. we'll just have fun sooner. <laughs> yeah, like like just like really rock the boat. Yeah, like um, right away. Let's just jump at each other, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Tell, wait, tell me about that. Now I'm curious. So you might just, so what, what would the, you, you would just say jump at each other? Well, I, I usually build up uh, uh -huh. and it depends who shows up. If it's like people that I know that are used that other people are jumping at them, then, um, then maybe we can start that way. But often I'll start slowly or do some kind of warming up to get people in their body, but maybe toward the end of the retreat, um, mm. maybe the score will be, um, somebody walks with their eyes closed and uh, people jump at them as they're doing that. You know, it's, um, it's maybe like a more advanced to someone who's just new, but maybe mm -hmm. by the end of the seven day retreat, people can do that. Yeah. So much of this is like, you know, I, 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 I kind of talked about this recently and, and it didn't maybe land the way that I was trying to communicate it, but I was saying that I think oftentimes people are trying to look for perfection in their training environment, like the flattest surface, the most crisp floor, the most wonderful temperature. Um, but the, the, the flatness of it maybe feels really nice that day, but big picture, it, it might be broadly limiting to our like adaptability, right? It's like being in the the imperfect scenarios on the mountains the the crooked surfaces um being asked to be in an uncomfortable situation with people jumping at you like that's feeding that really deep thing 
that we can't always put words to that we that makes us really adaptable and 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 prepared for a lot of different environments life yeah <laughs> yes yeah. <laughs> yeah um i think so and i i think like living here in sedona and being outside a lot and hiking a lot and dancing outside a lot makes me like um be more drawn to also bring the experiences outside and not be in the studio mm-hmm. and um I know people have been doing it for a long time, but for me, it's kind of like, why am I doing it inside? Like, yeah. why not be outside? Yeah. Uh, it's like, and, and you're, it, yeah, the, the landscape itself is, is our jungle gym. We don't need to create ropes coming down from the ceiling and mats. And like, there's water, there's rock, there's trees. Like there's so yeah. much you can do. Um, it feels like a little bit silly in my mind now to go back to a gym. I totally agree. I, 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 I used to use the example of, um, I don't know if you've ever heard these stories about these, you know, some of the greatest soccer players of all time are people who didn't start playing soccer on a, on a field with a perfect <laughs> ball. They were playing in like alleyways with like deflated balls. maybe in like no shoes on and things like that and then when they got into like the quote perfect scenario it was like well this is easy you know because it was like oh well they'd been dealing with maybe all these constraints and these things that you know challenge their creativity and fed their intelligence and all the things that they can't describe in words and then all of a sudden they're on this flat surface and the grass is lovely and the ball is pumped to the exact pressure. And they're just like, Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. You know? And especially since like I told you at the beginning, my intention is just like, what would be healthy for me? Like mm-hmm. I, I asked that question a lot and the more you're connected to nature and to the cycles of the, of the seasons and um, the weather, like I train in different times, depending on the, um the on the on the season like in the winter i train in the middle of the day i i don't train but i move my body more outside in the middle of the day but in the summer it will be sunrise and sunset when it gets cooler um so it's kind of like um it sounds healthy also to be outside yeah and to learn from from the temperatures and like what do you do when it's raining? How do you move? Yeah. It makes it, it like asks more of your full like sensory experience as opposed to like being in like a neutered environment all the time. Yeah. With a set temperature indoor and lights always on when you want them. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought at one point that I was like, oh, you know, maybe what if I changed my gym schedule to change with the seasons? So like, you know, we actually didn't start class until the sun came up rather than a specific time. Um, you know, I was like, oh, well, like, what, what would that look like? Or classes end when the sun goes down. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that gets people tuned into the cycles of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, it, I, I, I was curious what that would look like. Have you read any books or anything on like indigenous cultures or anything? I haven't. Oh, because what you're you're talking about some things that have thoughts that have come to my mind after reading a couple of things about like just that that attention you have and that 
that kind of being in tune when you're when you're when you're with the world in a real way. Right, and a lot of practices leads to this kind of information. Um, like I've I've taken an acupressure course, and uh, that touches into Chinese medicine, and that that's very like. It's a lot about observing nature outside and um, the season and the cycles and the moons and and um, and different practices, um, yoga and they all look at those things, all those ancient, especially ancient traditions. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, speaking with Yosef uh, Fursek. Yeah, um, and I don't know, he he said something too that like really got my gears turning. When he was talking about, and maybe you, I, I think you've worked with him a little bit. Yes. And maybe this is something you've heard him say, but he's talked about this idea of like, you know, he was using the example of running, but I think it kind of, it almost fills in all these things when he was saying, when it came to running, he's like, oh, I'm not so much interested in like, you know, running on a track or running on a treadmill. You know, I'm curious what it means to run as if you're a hunter or if you're mm. being hunted, right? What is that? What does that look like? Um, but it kind of speaks to all these things where it's like, oh, like what what does it mean to be moving and practicing when when more is being asked of of your sensory experience? Yeah. And speaking of Joseph, I think I heard him once say, at least once, um, you don't need books. Mm -hmm. All you need to do is be outside and look and observe. Um, and I really like that too, because that's what will influence you and what you, that's all you need to learn about being a human in this life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I really like that. Um, and the more we're in, nat in nature, like the hunting, the more like we, we go back into like practical, whatever practical means, but like functional or you're doing things for a reason you're um i'm climbing the mountain i was camping here for a month and it was really cold um, um so i would just climb the mountain in order to stay warm <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just like start my day hiking and climbing because i knew like i'm always so hot when i get to the top i take all my layers off uh -huh. um, so kind of like the environment will influence your practice. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the day, it gets, it's desert here. It's so hot, not in the winter now, but when I was here earlier, it's just like, I, I just, I had to go to the river. It's just like, that was the practice to go into cold water. <laughs> right. Right. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing this because, well, it's four o'clock and it's time to like do my cold plunge. You were like, well, if I'm going to get through this day, I need to go cool off. Exactly. Now I got an indoor place, which um, definitely messes with me being tuned to the weather and stuff. I'm like, oh, I can be awake at 9 p.m. and have lights in the house. And um, but it changes once you're full time camping. You're just you just have to tune in. You're like, why will you be awake at like 10 p.m.? Uh -huh. Like you look at the stars for a little bit and, you know. But, yeah. Um. It, it just changes. Like I would wake up when the light is up. Like it, mm -hmm. it's just cold at night. Why would I be up? I want to be in my sleeping bag. <laughs> so, so you camped for a whole month. 
yeah. Wow. And more, but um, wow. here in Sedona for a month. That's amazing. Yeah, the month yeah. of September. So what what did you do for food? Did you like kind of go back and get food? I or didn't were... hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could hunt, um, uh, but there's a grocery store, uh, okay. and and um, I would just cook in my stove. And yeah, I didn't eat out at all. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it would be more amazing if I could hunt, but um, I, I really, get my I really... vegetables and fruits from. Um, from just nature, but that's not the case. Well, coming soon. That's going to be the next step for you. <laughs> yes. I, I really want to learn how to hunt. I'm, I'm really interested in it. Great. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not, but I, I can see the benefits. Of yeah. Doing that. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about learning how to, to, to shoot a bow and, and um, I don't know. I've, I've looked up like bushcraft schools. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm bringing it up because it sounds like you, you know, I mean, camping is, is not so far off, especially if you're out there for a month. Right. It's the next thing. How can you make a fire with no, uh, with no, with, with just whatever wood you have around you or with no, with, without a lighter? So, so I'm was not that there yet? Yeah. So was that the plan though? Were you like, I'm going to go out and camp for 30 days and I want to see what that's like, or was it just kind of the, what, you were forced into because of the nature of things? Um, it just happens. Um, I wanted, I switched cars with my brother. He has a minivan. Um, mm -hmm. And I just decided to like travel and not know when I'm going to go back to California. It was also fire season. Um, I, so I, I didn't want to be in the smoke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I just like went um, to look for fresh air. Uh -huh. um, and I'm still, and I just ended up being in Sedona because the smoke just kept, kept chasing me till I got here. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love camping. So I, and it's so beautiful here. And I was like, great. Um, very low overhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I, I was hiking every day and like, I met a lot of people and dance and um, the only reason I moved indoors because a really good friend of mine came and, uh, Camping would have not worked for him. Okay, so so then you, but you were out. You 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 were out there by yourself the whole time too. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I did meet people, and um, and some people came by to visit me. They drove from California, um, so you know I had an extra tent also as a guest bedroom. It's, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Man, I would. I, I I wish I had connected with you in like uh, August. Because then maybe in September, we would have come out and, and stayed in your guest room. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and, you know, I have this place that I'm staying here till March 1st. And then I plan to go back to camping. Really? So you can come then. Yeah, I am tempted. This sounds amazing. So if you did a retreat out there, would you do it maybe like a, like a camping style retreat where everybody would bring their tents and they would stay outside or what, what, what do you imagine? That was my first intention. And then I, I talked to a few people and um, <laughs> I decided it will probably be, everyone will choose their own accommodation and mm -hmm. I'll make a recommendation maybe for um, a campsite. There's also free dispersed camping. You can just camp here for free. Mm -hmm. uh, so that way, different comfort people can choose their comfort level wow that sounds like so much fun 
Yeah. <laughs> so would you would you teach the whole thing yourself or would you bring in other teachers to participate as well? Um, what ends up happening is usually um, whoever joins ends up also facilitating because we all come with different experiences and and people just want to learn from each other. I think like I want to learn from the people who come and um, you know, I've done my movement exploration retreat in Costa Rica and the first year it was just me. And then the participants were, they were just craving to like, um, they asked if they can lead things. So we added that and everything is optional anyway. So nobody has to do everything. Um, and then the second year I already had like three guest teachers. And I think like, um, I think, in order to facilitate, you don't have to have, I'm facilitating things, but the more people involved and sharing, I think um, the merrier, why not? Yeah. Um, I think I'll still offer the same amount of offering that I would normally do. And then there's extra that people can choose and people can also decide not to take my class and take somebody else's class. I'm not very like, um, it's not like a very military style kind of experiences that I offer. It's like, choose yeah. what you want, uh, what feels right to you at the moment. If you just want to lie in the sun, that's fine with me. Wow. I really, <laughs> I really dig that approach. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. I, I feel like so many experiences I've had have been a little bit more, I don't know, scholastic maybe where it's like oh well here are the classes you show up and do the class at this time and it's kind of expected to be a certain way so i don't know there's there, there's this um and that could be great too it's yeah. not i have nothing against that i love that for yeah. myself too yeah I, I i i'm not saying i dislike it but yeah. i also i've never gotten to have the experience where like oh well yeah it's going to be kind of um a choose your own adventure yeah and you know, like my mom can come and take my uh, my classes because I give that freedom, and I I rather people will move than not move because they're worried that they can't do the whole thing. Yeah, well, that's uh. When would you do this? Would you do this more like, kind of further down the road when things with COVID are starting to open up, or would you do it maybe in the spring, like if there was, uh, you know, if the opportunity presented itself. Probably, I, I haven't decided to, to tell you that, to be to be honest, but probably fall mm -hmm. 2021. Mm -hmm. um, there's another event that I do with Sebastian Grab that's called Spiral Camp that we'll, we'll probably do in the summer in California. And it's a little bit up in the air if it will happen or not, just because of the COVID restrictions. So it might be like a social distancing camping event. Um, so probably fall. Okay. Yeah. Well, I am super interested because that sounds like a blast. Um, That'll be so awesome to have you and also see what you have to share. And I know you've been exposed to a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, it, but it's, I, you know, I've, I've been in Arizona once. I've never been to Sedona. And you're and so close now. I am in Colorado. I think I, I think it's close. I, I, I feel like I need to look at a map again, but I don't think it's yeah. that far. Maybe like 10, 12 hours overnight yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if it's uh, if there's already a tent there waiting. Gosh, that is like uh, <laughs> that is that is some easy living. Yeah. 
So when do you think you'll be back in California? So that's the other thing is um, Athletic Playground, which is the space that I opened 12 years ago. Um, it's now for sale. So I don't know when it will be actually sold and we will probably have to look for another space. So when that happens, I'll have to go back. Um, but it's a little bit up in the air. Uh, I don't know so the, so what the, the new owner will do with the space and if they will want to keep us or not and how long uh, till they do their other plans. So the, 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 the person the who owns the property is it's selling? It's selling the building, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, so a lot of changes this year. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that is like, you know, a true COVID story. Yeah. So I'm, I'm here in Arizona ready to drive back any day if needed. Right. So like if it were to sell you might have to immediately go back and be like, all right, well, we have to move things out of here or move them to a yeah. new space. I or don't something. think that will be the case, but I'm prepared mentally to do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, wow. I think it might take a time till the building will sell. There's a lot of empty buildings now because mm -hmm. so many build, building, so many businesses have shut down and people moved out of California. So mm -hmm. it's not an easy sell uh, right now. So it might, it might take a while. Yeah. It's similar where we were at in New York. I was, uh, you know, we still check in, even though we don't know if we'll ever go back. But like, I mean, it's a similar story where it's like all these commercial spaces are totally empty and people have just left the city. And it's just like. Did you give up your space for now or is it just shut down? Yeah, we gave up the space pretty early on. Yeah. Like um, we moved out in March. I think we paid the rent for April and then the landlord wasn't going to give us a break. Oh, so wow they were like, oh, well, you don't have to pay us now, but you'll have to pay us back at some point. So I think we just kind of predicted or foresaw that it would go on for a while. And we were like, well, we could end up making the same decision 20 or $30,000 down the road. Exactly. So <laughs> we should probably cut it now while we can. Um, and because we did it so early that, you know, we, we, we ended up getting a lot of money back from our landlord. So it wasn't as, as big of a blow as it could have been. Um, but I know places that are still trying to hold on right now. And it's, it's, it's a tricky situation, I think. Yeah. Do, do you guys have to pay a full rent right now? No, our landlord is super flexible with us. So we're really lucky. We, we pay whatever we can, but he kind of let us pay whatever uh, we can. Wow. So that's been super helpful. Wow, that yeah. is so helpful. I feel like the, like there's not enough of those stories, right? Yes, I I mean like if we had to pay full rent, I would do the same thing you you just did. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and where you're located, just outside Oakland, is that right? Um, yes, in Emeryville, which is like it could be a minute away from Oakland. It just depends where you are, but it's 20 minutes without traffic from San Francisco. Okay. 25. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, I am so bummed that I didn't get to, uh, to see the, the, the space back in March. So I hope that you're still in the same location when things open up so that I can go and see it at some point. Yeah. Hopefully we can still make Tom's workshop happen at some point. <laughs> yeah. You'll come and get to do it. And, um, all the other people that you've been, um, I looked a little bit interviewing, I've hosted them. So that's been really fun. Uh, I look forward to listen to those 
interviews or podcasts and conversations. Yeah. Well, um, keep me, keep me updated on, on all the things that you're doing because, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll support and, and put it out there. And also if I'm in the right part of the country, I will, I will be there as well. I appreciated that a lot. And I hope to, yeah, to interact with you in person. Yeah. If, if people, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do it? Yeah. I have a website. Uh, it's called, it's uh, Shira, like my name, Shira Yaziv, shira.yaziv.com. Mm-hmm. And right now I don't have any offerings put up there, but if you join my mailing list, you'll find out about the Sedona movement exploration experience and spiral camp that is in California, that is overnight camping and hopefully next year also Costa Rica. Wow. Shira, <laughs> I am so happy that I got to connect with you. Um, and I'm, I really can't wait to like do some camping and movement out on like the rocks and in the, in the woods and everything. Yes. I look forward to it. We'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you for everything you do. And uh, it's really cool what you're doing. I think it's great that you get to have those conversations and we all get to listen to them, especially during those times. Yeah. Well, that really means a lot to hear. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.